Morning. All right, so I just got to clear something up here. It was quite embarrassing this morning. You guys asked for me to belly flop, and I tried. And right before I hit the water, I just completely chickened out. And I just want to say, your boos were correctly placed. So thank you for that. Uh, that, was, that was the right type of conviction that I needed at that point. So thank you. Uh, this week, I'm excited to be here. Uh, my name is Cody Huber. I'm from Waterville, Minnesota, and I'll show you where that's at. I uh, just got a few slides to introduce my family here. Uh, let's see. All right, if we could just advance that, Noah, that'd be great. All right, there we are. So there's the Huber clan. I uh, got, got the full family on the far left there, my daughter Paisley, my son Clay, and then all of us taking a goofy picture, my wife Taylor on the far left as well. Uh, they're a blast. Uh, in fact, Clay and Paisley were really excited about the fact that we were diving deeper this week, and uh, Clay was trying to practice and how to jump into our little pool. In fact, our backyard kind of looks like a, a redneck uh, oasis back there right now with all the toys and the pools, and uh, it's just been so hot up in Minnesota. It's actually been hotter up there than what it has been down here in Iowa. Can you believe that? Normally, it's the other way, but... We've been 96, 97 degrees, so you got to get in the pool, right? Uh, here's another picture. My, my kids love to go hiking. I love taking them out, and uh, Clay's favorite thing is to throw rocks into the lake. I think if I would have just let him sit there, stand there, and keep throwing rocks, he'd still be there today. He loves to throw things, uh, and I just have a blast with them. So that's my family. Uh, I'm a huge Packer fan, so give it up for the... Give it up for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah! All right, all right. I hear, I hear those Vikings and Bears fans. You're just bitter out there, so. Yeah. Oh, the Chiefs, okay. I'll give it to the Chiefs. The Chiefs are actually pretty good, so. Yeah, okay. Also a huge Hawkeye fan. Yeah, right? So, all of you Iowa State little brother fans, I'm sorry. Just so. Or Nebraska. Where's Tim? Where's Pastor Tim at? Oh, no way. <laughs> all right, so. Here's where I'm from. I live up in Waterville, Minnesota. It's about an hour drive past the uh, Iron Curtain there. And uh, so it was, it was a pretty quick drive down uh, I-35 to here, uh, to Clear Lake. I actually grew up here around Clear Lake. I went to school a mile down the road. So I was able to come out here to camp quite often. Uh, up in Waterville, we're known for something. I don't know why. They always call me uncultured from being from Iowa, but we just celebrated bullhead days in Waterville. So they actually catch these by the boatloads and fry them up, and they have a huge celebration. And I, who would want to eat a fish like that? Anyone in here? Anyone? Like, they're always out at the dam fishing for them. It's just, they're gross fish. Anyways, so sorry if you like them. I don't. I mean, it just looks nasty. Anyways. That's what they celebrate up there. That's what our town is known for. We're a little tourist town on two lakes, and uh, that's, what they, that's what they're known for. So, All right. How many of you forgot something this week? You found out this morning, you're like, oh, man, 
I forgot to pack this. So I've got six different items. If I could have the contenders come up and help me at this point. Six different items to help you out this week if you forgot something. What did you forget this week? My stuffed animals. Okay, you forgot your stuffed animals. That's good. Yeah. How about right here? Well, you know what? We'll go through the items and then we'll have you raise your hands then. All right, so what do you guys think? Number one thing that people forget. You guys would be correct. Toothbrush. So if you guys want to hand this out to someone. Who forgot their toothbrush this week? Oh, don't. You, you might want to run it to them uh, on some of these. So. All right. What do you think the second most common thing that people forget? Toothpaste. There it is. Toothpaste. There you go. How many of you forgot toothpaste? Who needs toothpaste this week? All right. Got some people right here in the front row. All right. Next thing here that we have. How many of you forgot sunblock? Right? All right. We forgot some sunblock. Go ahead. Toss that out to someone. All right. Okay. Here's, here's a really important one. This one's going to help your your counselors out, and your fellow campers. Deodorant or body wash? How many of you forgot body wash this week? Yeah? All right, go ahead, toss that out. Okay, going with body wash, how many of you forgot deodorant? Oh, can you imagine how smelly that would be? So toss that out. I think we got some counselors begging for some over here. Uh, and last one, is it, a, is it a, yeah, yeah. Last one, actually a, a counselor I asked, or a camper yesterday, I, I asked, what'd you forget? And he said, a hairbrush. How many of you need a hairbrush? Yeah, there you go. Go ahead, hand that out. Thanks guys, thank you. So. So if you're anything like me, if you're anything like me, it's easy to forget things. You want to know why it's easy to forget things? I get distracted, especially when packing. When I came to junior boys growing up, the top things that I always forgot were a towel and a pillow, two things that were just completely absent-minded, and I'd have to use one of my t-shirts for the week to dry off with, and hopefully I brought like a sweatshirt or something like that to sleep with. Uh, for a pillow at night. Uh, those were the two things that I always forgot. And I would forget them because I'd get distracted when I was packing my bags. How many of you packed your bags this week for camp? Your mom, dad had you pack it? Good. Yeah, it's easy to get distracted in life. It's easy to start forgetting things. Today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we can lose sight so quickly. We can get distracted by so many different things as we run the Christian race. And we're going to look at that today from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's go ahead. Let's open up to that passage. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. Let's go ahead and read that this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 
looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. That's the text we're going to be in today, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. That's what we're going to be anchoring in today. And before we dig in, before we dive into the text this morning, let's pray. God, I just thank you for allowing us to be able to be here at Junior Boys this week, to be able to have some time away from distractions, to focus in on your word. God, I pray that as we study your word today, that we would be able to take it and apply it to our lives. God, that you would help us to do that, that your spirit would help us to to see clearly this morning, that you would unveil the eyes of those who do not know you or maybe do not understand, that they would be able to have a firm faith, a firm foundation in you. Your blessed name, amen. All right, so our theme verse this week is, is 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. So let's read it together today. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The word we're going to be looking at today, just as we did last night, is steadfast. In fact, your quiet time this morning is going to be looking at that word as well. So the question is, what does it mean to be steadfast, right? So here's my daughter, Paisley. She gives us all sorts of weird looks. In fact, on this day, uh, Taylor said, Paisley, would you turn around so that way I can take a picture of you to remember you at this age forever? And that's the look Paisley turned around and gave to my wife, Taylor. Isn't that hilarious? So uh, sometimes we don't understand what it means to do something. And we're using this word, and I want us to be able to understand what it means to be steadfast. So steadfast means firm in belief, determination, or adherence. Firm in belief, determination, or adherence. If we were to look it up in Webster's Dictionary, uh, that's what you would see there. So steadfast means to be firm in belief, determination, or, or adherence. So how does that, what does that look like today? How can we be steadfast in our Christian walk? If you, if you are a child of God, your faith has been placed in Christ's work on the cross, how does that look in our lives? What does it mean to be steadfast? And I think that that's what the author of Hebrews here is trying to unpack for us, is, is trying to help us to see how to have endurance. In fact, the audience that he's writing to back in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, he, he's talking to them and he says that you guys once went through sufferings and you endured them. So they knew what it meant to be steadfast, but then here again he's encouraging them to run the race with endurance. So how do we do that? Our big idea for today is we need to continue to look at Christ's victory over sin and death daily. We need to look at Christ's victory over sin and death daily. We're going to look at three ways in which we can do that today. How many of you have ever ran a race before? Ever ran a race? Yeah? So if we're, if we're equating the Christian walk, the Christian life to a race, we need to understand what that looks like. In fact, one of the only times that I ever got to break the tape at a track meet was in the 4 by 800 meter relay. 
was one of the most amazing things to ever run through the tape, being the anchor of our, of our 4 by 8 team. It was raining. It was right over in Britt in West Hancock. And uh, we didn't even have a 4 by 8 team ready to go for that race. But so many different teams had left to go home because of the rain and how cold it was. Uh, in the springtime in Iowa, there's water pooling up on the track, and they're still having this track meet. We wanted to go home. Our coach came to us, and he said, guys, there's only six teams running in this, so even if we run and get last place, we will get points towards the track meet. Who wants to run it? So four of us volunteered. I thought, okay, why not? That's not too bad. One of the things that I never wanted to do was get last place in a track meet. How embarrassing would it be to, to get in last place, right? That's what I always thought. Never wanted to do that. So there we are. We've got this ragtag team out there for the 4x8. Many of us have never run the 4x8 before. Our handoffs were terrible. We're trying to practice them before we go with the baton. And uh, so we get out there, and the first guy runs his lap, right? His two laps around the track. And he runs like over three and a half minutes, which is a, not a great time for the 800. So we're way behind and uh, we're, the next guy, he sees how slow he ran, so he runs even slower. And I'm like, oh, no, what did I get myself into? And uh, so the next guy, he runs a, a faster one. And he comes to me. He hands me the baton. We're in dead last place. And I turn, and I start running with everything that I have because I don't want to be out there on the track all by myself. So the guy who is in front of me, I pass him past the fifth place guy. And then I pass the fourth place guy. We get around to the back side of the track. We're, we're entering into the last 200 meters of the track. And I pass the third place guy, the second place guy. And all I have in front of me is the guy who is in first place. We're coming down to the home stretch. The crowd is starting to cheer because this is an exciting race. It's been kind of a dull track meet the whole time. They can't believe what they're seeing. And I'm just giving it all I have, and this guy is trying to look back to see where I'm at because he can hear him cheering, and I pass him. So awesome. Passed him, they pulled out the tape, and I ran through it because I didn't know what else to do, and I kept running. And the crowd just kind of, you could hear the hush fall over the crowd like, oh, he still has a whole nother lap. All the other runners are finishing right now. And because we had set such a slow pace, I ran a whole lap all by myself. In fact, my track team came up to the fence and they're all cheering me like, you can do it, Cody! You can catch him! I was like, thanks, guys. That's so encouraging right now because I couldn't catch anyone. I mean, they had all finished already. It matters to run with endurance and to run with the right pace as we run a race. So how can we do that? How can we do that? Well, first, we need to look at Christ's victory over sin and death daily. Remind yourself of that. So how do we do that on a daily basis? Well, three things that we see here from Hebrews chapter 12 that we want to look at today. The first one is look to other examples. Look to the other examples the writer of Hebrews here starts off with, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Well, what's a witness? There's someone who would testify about something if they were to be called in a court case. They're going to tell you what happened with a certain crime, right? They're going to tell you the story. What's going on? That's what a witness is. So who are these witnesses that this author is talking about? 
Many believe that it's the great hall of faith that we just read through or that many people would read through as you get to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11 is the great hall of faith and it goes through and it talks about all of these men and women who by faith ran the race well. Those, that's the cloud of witnesses. And they're not witnessing what we're doing today, but instead, from the grave, their lives still speak. In fact, it says that in Hebrews chapter 11 about Abel's life still speaking from the grave, what he had done. So we're able to look at their examples and be encouraged to run because these men and women like David and Daniel and prophets like Jeremiah and others, they ran with endurance. They had a steadfast faith. They had a firm belief that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. In fact, they looked forward in the future toward the resurrection. They didn't know how that was going to be provided. They didn't know uh, who Christ was yet. They hadn't seen that in their time. They were looking forward to it. They had heard about it. They knew that someone was coming. We're able to look back and see what Christ did for us. We're able to look back and see the resurrection. We're able to look back and know the power of the resurrection. That Jesus lived a perfect life. He died in our place, taking our place, was put in a grave and raised three days later, having victory over sin and death once and for all. He's the victor. He's the one that has ran the race perfectly and were able to look towards him. They were looking towards him in the future. We get to look back and see it. So we, we look at how they ran. We look at how they went about uh, their race. They had faith. In fact, it says by faith 19 times in the previous chapter. It's not the works that they did that obtained their salvation. It's not the works that they did that made them uh, so faithful. It, it was the fact that they believed God and then God worked through them. See, that's how God works. We believe what he says he's going to do, that one day he will resurrect all of us, that place our faith in him and his work on the cross. And through that, it empowers us to run the race that is set before us with endurance. We're able to look to their examples and see how they did it. We're even able to look at their bad examples as well, but we'll get to that later. So faith means to place your trust in something. Faith is to place your trust in something. In fact, all of you guys are sitting in chairs. How many of you thought about, oh, can I trust this chair? I have a feeling that this chair is just going to collapse below me this morning. You guys are all exercising faith right now as you sit in your chairs. You are, you are trusting that chair to keep you up off the ground. So to have faith is to place your trust in something. So I have a question for you this morning. What is your faith placed in? What is your faith placed in? What are you placing your faith in today? In fact, uh, a favorite question that I, I like to ask about this is, if you were to die today, and you were to go up to heaven, right? Say something bad happens, or you're in heaven, and God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you respond? What would you say? Think about that today. Not looking for an answer right now, but think about that. What, what would your response be? Is it, well, I haven't done that many bad things. You know, I've done a lot of good things in my life to outweigh all the bad things that I've done. Uh, I go to church all the time. Uh, I was baptized when I was younger, and my parents tell me that that saves me. Uh, I prayed a prayer. Whatever it is, what are you placing your faith in today? 
Think about that as we go throughout the week. If God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? How, how would you respond to that? If it's anything besides Christ's work on the cross, paying for your sins, taking your place, taking the penalty that you were owed, how do we examine that? It is by faith that we are able to run this race, that we are able to have endurance to run this race. Faith is not a feeling. In fact, John Cross says it this way, true faith is built on fact, not feeling. Not feelings. Many of us allow our feelings to guide what we're going to do. Well, this is going to be fun. Well, this is exciting. I don't want to do this because this isn't fun. So is your faith built on a feeling or is it built on facts from the Word of God? That's the other question I'd have for you guys to examine, to think about today, to chew on as you, as you try to fall asleep tonight. Is my faith built on fact or feeling? So these, these men and women that ran before us were able to look to their examples, were able to see how they, how they stood up at different times. And then we have the other examples also in the Old Testament of when they didn't do so well as well. We're able to see both sides of it, both the fact that they're fallen sinners and the fact that they also still had great faith. And that should encourage us because we're able to see where they failed and we're able to redirect, re-examine, not even redo it, but to run in a better way knowing that God will provide for us. In fact, growing up about your age, my dad started allowing me to mow the lawn. How many of you get to mow the lawn at home, right? We had about three acres that we mowed, so I wanted to get on our John Deere, our green John Deere, and drive it around. That was just like the funnest thing ever to be able to go out and to mow our grass. I still love mowing today. And as, as I was going, the lawn mower ran out of gas. Can you believe that? And my dad came out, he walked out, and he goes, Cody, I want to give you a lesson on how to fill up this lawnmower correctly. I said, okay, great. Thanks, Dad. So he takes off the gas cap. He's got everything set up, and he, he goes to put the gas tank in, right? And he's telling me how to do it. And, and he goes, okay, now you need to be very careful as you pull the gas can back out. I said, okay, Dad. He's looking at me as he says this, and he pulls it out, and it catches on the lip of the gas can, or on the, on the gas lid there. And it flings gas back into my dad's eyes. And I'm standing there as a 10-year-old boy, and I'm thinking, what just happened? My dad screams out in agony. Ah! And he's covering his eyes. He drops the tank, and uh, he bends over, and next thing you know, gas is all over him. And I kind of laughed a little bit, thinking it was funny, as my dad was crying out in anguish, which probably wasn't a good thing to do as a son. And he said, Cody, go get the hose. So I went running across the yard to get the hose, and I turned around just in time. My dad was stumbling across the yard like that, and he could, could have gone left or he could have gone right. But instead, he kept going straight and ran into our basketball pole, hit it, <laughs> fell over. And I ran up, gave him the hose, and he, he was okay. He wasn't blinded or anything. He was just in a lot of pain. Whenever I fill up the lawnmower gas tank now, I remember that. I remember the pain that my dad went through. In fact, we can see the pain that these people went through. We can see their struggles and how they endured. We can see their struggles and even when they failed. 
and we're able to learn lessons from that. So learn by example, study the word, study these men and women that God has placed before us and see how they ran their race. The second thing that we see here is remove distractions from the gospel. Remove distractions from the gospel. We see this in the second part of verse 1. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In fact, that let us run with endurance the race that is set before us is the only command that we see here in the text. This is a command. Let us run. How do we do that? Well, we, we lay aside the weight and the sin which clings closely to us. So we need to remove distractions. We need to remove hindrances from the gospel. These weights that, that, that the author is probably talking about is actually a form of legalism, a, a, a form of rule following that these believers had probably fallen back to. That they can obtain their own righteousness. That they can, that they can keep a set of laws in order to gain God's favor. Young men, I want to tell you something this morning. There's nothing that you can do in your life to gain more of God's favor. Our favor from God is given to us through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And we can get distracted by that of keeping all these rules and trying to do everything perfect and right. We can also get distracted by other things that, that are within our lives. That, that aren't sinful, they're not wrong, but they're going to remove our gaze off of Christ and the gospel. We cannot obtain our own way to heaven. We cannot obtain our own salvation. And we need to make sure that the distractions that are within our life, that we're seeing them. In fact, many of us don't even see the distractions that are within our lives. We don't even understand that they're there. Ask other people, does it seem like I'm too distracted by certain things? What... What are things that I could take out of my life? Am I too distracted by video games? Am I too distracted by just always trying to have a good time? Think about that to yourself. What am I distracted by that's keeping me from running the Christian race? There are many people who have started a race and then they just walk off. I had a friend that did that. Uh, I wanted to run the mile in high school. I don't know why, but I did. And uh, I did not make it my sophomore year for varsity. There's someone placed in front of me. And he would run about three quarters around the track, and then he would just walk off. He'd just walk off the track. And I was always so frustrated, like, why are you walking off? You get to run. So I asked him. He was actually my good friend. And he said, well, because I know I'm not going to win, so why should I keep running? It's like, well, that's a lousy excuse. I mean, you get to run. Our victory is placed in Christ, and we have to continue running. Many of us have started, and then we get distracted, and then we just walk off. I'm not saying that we lose our salvation or anything like that, so don't, don't take that the wrong way. But we just forget about the Christian life. We forget what Christ has called us to. And we treat the gospel like a ticket that gets us into heaven. The other thing that we have that weighs us down is sin. Nothing will take you off the course, take you out of the race quicker than sin. Allow the Spirit of God to convict you when you feel that conviction. Repent of that sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Remember that truth as well. So finally, to build up endurance, what must you do? Train yourself. Be disciplined. 
Read God's Word. Get involved with the guys around you. Challenge each other to live for God on a daily basis. Pray with one another. Pray by yourself that God would allow you to run the race that is set before you with endurance. Pray for him for strength. We're going to look at what prayer provides even deeper tomorrow. Some of us need to cut distractions out of our lives. We need to cut the distractions out of our lives. In fact, I kind of wish that um, distractions and sin was kind of like my friend Frank that I had uh, growing up. I had this skin tag. How many of you know what a skin tag is? Kind of gross. It was a little growth that I had underneath my armpit. And I named him Frank. When I was in the locker room, the guys would see it. It was getting bigger and bigger. And I'd say, hey, guys, check out Frank. Isn't he kind of cool? And as I would play basketball and stuff, you could see Frank. People were disgusted by Frank. They didn't really like Frank at all. Many people were like, you should go get that checked. I said, no, I have. I looked on Google. It's just a skin tag. It's not cancerous. We're okay. My friends always wanted to cut it off. In fact, one of my good friends growing up was Tyler Betts. And uh, he lived here at the camp. And another one of my good friends was Drew Dixon, who lived in Clear Lake. And Drew and I were out for a bike ride around the lake one day. And we decided to stop into camp. And Tyler had it set in his mind, Cody, we've got to remove Frank. We've got to get him off of you. I was like, okay, Tyler, let's do it. He was like, really? So we're in the boys' staff dorm up there. They pull out this pocket knife. I was like, is this really sanitary? Should we be doing this? I don't know. So they, they took out a lighter and they, you know, ran it across the blade. And I thought, okay, that's clean enough, right? So we put Frank down on the table, and Tyler cut him off, and it was very painful. I felt every, it was a dull pocket knife, so he was sitting there wrenching on it for a while. He finally got it off, and someone was like, that's going to bleed. In fact, my friend Drew is now a, a medical doctor. He's an eye doctor, an ophthalmologist. I think I got that right. Anyways, he had a spoon ready, and he seared it, so that way it would stop bleeding. It was painful. But Frank was gone. He was no longer a distraction as I went around in my cutoff anymore. No one saw him. He was done for. I wish that distractions and sin were that visible within our life. Like, people would be like, what in the world is that? Right? And then it would be like, yeah, I need to deal with this, don't I? I wish we all had Franks in our life that were that easy to remove as well, right? Luckily, Frank has not grown back yet. He's gone. What are the Franks in your life? What are the distractions that you have in your life that you need to cut off? What do you need to ask for help with? There's nothing wrong in asking for help. I could have never cut Frank off by myself. It would have been too painful. I would have stopped. What is distracting you from looking at the victory that Christ has provided for us through his life, death, and resurrection. The third thing that we can do today, oh, I forgot these, so we'll go, we'll look at those later. So look, look to the victor. Look to the victor. Who's the victor? It's Christ, verse 2 and 3. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are able to look at the example that Christ provided for us. Christ's death 
obtained our salvation, Christ's life also gives us a roadmap to live by. In fact, he has many different commands that we're able to even read in the New Testament. We, we, have, we have things in the Old Testament that we're able to see how to guide our life to, to, to gain wisdom from. Christ fulfilled the law perfectly. And he needed to do that to supply the payment for our sins. Look to how he endured the race. Look to how he perfected our faith. How he started it. How he allowed us to even be able to join in the race. He endured the cross. Think of that. Think, think of the setting of the cross. What he endured for us. Even before it as he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, what? Not my will be done, God, Father, but your will be done. There's a great example for us to even live by. Many of us allow our wills, what we want, to guide how we live our lives. Are you living with God's will, God's word, guiding your life today? Look to the victor. Look to how he ran. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ died so that way we could obtain the righteousness that we could never obtain. Jesus has secured the victory over sin and death. Jesus offers for us to share in this victory. We should follow his supreme example of how he led his life. How do we do that? We read the Bible. We read God's word. In fact, we look at that in verse 3. It says, consider him. Consider. Think about. Dwell on what Christ has done for you. Who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So that why? You may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If we are constantly reminding ourselves of the sacrifice that Christ made for us, made for me a sinner, an unworthy sinner, it's going to help me to remember to live my life in the same way. It's going to bring that humbleness that I need within my life of, I could never do this. I need to stop looking at myself and start looking at what Christ has done for me. So never, ever stop contemplating thinking about, considering what Christ has done for you, what Christ has provided for you, how he went before us and he was the victor over sin and death, our problem, and he corrected it. So study, study the word of God. How many of you guys know who this guy is? Anyone know? Anyone know? Okay. Stinky Patriot, I like that. It's true. Okay, how many of you guys know who this is? Okay, thank you. That's the reaction I wanted, although I do think he's probably one of the best quarterbacks who's ever played. Not the best, but he has done things to create a team around him. Anyways, all right. So Chase Winovich, when he was a rookie, was tweeting about things. And he tweeted out a quote from Shakespeare during a mini camp or something like that. You know, what's going on right now with NFL teams. 
They're at uh, their summer camp, whatever is going on. And he tweeted a quote from Shakespeare. And Tom Brady commented on this rookie, Chase Winovich's Twitter account, study your playbook. Stop tweeting about this stuff and study your playbook. Chase Winovich probably thought he was pretty smart tweeting about that or something like that. He got distracted. And Tom Brady, who's won, what, is it seven championships now or is it six? Seven? So do you think, do you think Tom Brady can make that point, can say that to one of his teammates? I think Chase Winovich is a defensive end. Hey, study your playbook. Make sure you know what you're doing here. Rookie, get with the program, right? Guys, some of us are running the race, but we've never studied the playbook. Are you studying your playbook? Are you studying what God has, has, has told us to do, how we should be running the race that is set before us? Reminding ourselves of that truth. Right, so as we go today, I have three points for the truth into action today. First one is, believe God's word. Believe it. Have that firm faith that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. That as you read God's word, you see it as supreme truth. It is the authority. Have a faith that is based on fact and not your feelings. A faith that is built on fact. Study God's word. Remove distractions and hindrances. Remove the sin. Confess it. Confess the sin that is in your life to God. He will forgive you. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Remember that we have an advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous. Who has provided us a covering for our sins. A payment for our sins. Focus in on that. Remind yourself of Christ's victory daily. Let's pray. God, I thank you for allowing us to be here at Junior Boys, to have the fun that we're able to have, to study your word, to to remove distractions from our lives this week. God, I pray that as we go through our time together as, as cabins, that you would allow us to dive deep into your word, that we would be able to focus in, that we'd be able to focus on your word, that we would be able to talk through how we can apply it in our lives. God, that you'd help us as we build these relationships with one another, that we would build a strong bond in you with one another, and that we would be able to help each other run the race that is set before us with endurance. God, I thank you for your life, death, and resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.